Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chooses us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he president, predestined. predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glory grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. It's the first of the month, which is Communion Sunday for us, and so that's also a day. Normally, we would have the kids go with Miss Sarah um, for, for a lesson during the message, but we're keeping them in here on the first Sunday so we can all have communion together as a family. Um, if you need, parents, if you need some of these busy books, we've got them, we've got extras, so you can just kind of put your hand up and Sarah will uh, get one to you. So if any parents need that, um, and I'm sorry if it makes your kids sad that they're in here, but uh, it's going to be okay. In fact, I have some other things that have made kids sad. Uh, if, you ever, if, you, if you ever want to just have some fun, go Google things that made my toddlers cry. And uh, you might come up with some things like this. Do we have those, Eric? So here's one. Things that made my toddler cry this week. I wouldn't let the dog drive him to daycare. The bath was too wet. He wanted syrup for breakfast, just syrup. His sister keeps looking at him. That never happens in our house, right, Andrew? He wants shoes like his friend Jacob, but there is no Jacob. There's, there's more. This morning, I threw away one soggy piece of cereal that fell on the floor and that he wanted. That made their toddler cry. Uh, I wouldn't let them drive my car. His bum wouldn't fit in a bucket. Her peanut butter was too sticky. Or the dog followed him into the bathroom. Things that made toddlers cry. Now, we could all get together and we could start adding to that list. And there are a lot of things on that list that we could add. Um, a lot of times there's that word that kids hear in the parents' home that they don't hear in the grandparents' home. That, that word, no. And uh, it, can make, it can make our kids cry. And sometimes w when we're having these interchanges, if they're getting upset enough, sometimes one of the things that happen is they eventually, they look at their lives and they see the things you won't let them do or the things that they have to do or the things that they just have to endure. And they look at their lives and then they look at you and they say, you don't love me. If you're a parent, you've heard it. Well, here's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes we do the same thing with God, don't we? We, we look at our lives. We look at the things that, that we didn't get what we do want. We, we did get what we didn't want. We look at things that we have to endure, sometimes bad things, sometimes painful things. And we can get to a point in our lives where we're looking at all this stuff and we look at God and we say, you don't love me. When our passage today we're going to get a, a picture of how God loves us. 
looking at these uh, three, uh, four verses in Ephesians. And, and this actually comes from a really, really, really long sentence that Paul wrote that uh, English grammar teachers would not like, but it's been broken up for us. And so we're going to look at verses 3 through 6, and we're going to get a picture from this of how God loves us, when He loves us, and what His love changes in us. But before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. Holy Spirit, would You be at work in our hearts by and with your word, you make us look more like Jesus, we pray. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, the first thing that we want to see in here is how God loves us, how God loves us. And we see the, the beginning of this in verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Well, what does this mean? Paul is, is blessing God, and he's doing that because God has blessed us. God has blessed His people. And he's done this, it says, in Christ. So in other words, you receive these blessings because of your standing in Christ. You receive them through Christ. And He has blessed us by giving us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, if you take a moment and you take stock of your life, you know that you have received material blessings from God. The, the good things that you have, um, your, your health. Um, you know, one person has said that every, every breath you breathe in grace, your very breath is a gift from God. And so we know that we have received uh, many material blessings. And in, in this country, we are even uh, more privileged, one might say, than many other places in that regard. Some might say it's more of a challenge for us. But we have also received in Christ spiritual blessings. Spiritual blessings. These are things that we can't see. You can't touch them, but they're there. They are there. And what are they? Well, I would say it includes things like love, purpose, forgiveness, family, hope, you, you have received these spiritual blessings. They are intangible things. They are intangible things. And, and if you were, were to try and hold it, try and grab it, try and touch it, you can't do that. They are intangible. They are spiritual blessings. But I think we instinctively know that those are often the best kind. Let me, let me just explain. So imagine, imagine that you got to go to like Six Flags or Disney, or Universal, you're going to an incredible park, and you're going, and you've got your, your best friend there with you, but you're showing up to the park, and while you're there, you know that you did something, and your best friend is mad, or he's upset, or he's sad, and so here you are at this happy place, and you're supposed to be having a happy time, and you're supposed to be enjoying all of this, but will you? How fun is it going to be? When there's something wrong here, what you need is something intangible. You need forgiveness. You need relationship restored. You need something intangible that's going to allow you to enjoy the rest of that. It is a gift that's going to let you enjoy the rest of that. We can think about it another way. What do kids really want from their parents? 
What do they really want? More toys? Uh, unlimited time playing Fortnite? Some of them are like, yes. Now, what do you, what do you really want? Time. Affirmation. Encouragement. Love. They really want those intangibles. They want those spiritual blessings. They want things that they can't see. I was talking with a, a friend of mine who's a retired pastor. I was talking with him this week. And, and he said, you know, he said, I've done a lot of funerals over the years. And you know what people always talk about? Time. Time spent with the ones that they love. Encouragement that the ones they love have given them. Affirmation. All of these things that, that just like these spiritual blessings, you can't see it, you can't touch it, you can't grab it, but they are better because nobody is talking about a toy they got when they were in fourth grade. They're talking about the time that they spent with their family. Spiritual blessings are better. And we have those in Christ. We have those in Christ because God loves you so much. This is how much he loves you. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to take on our spiritual poverty so that we could have his spiritual blessings. There is no other religion. There is no other religion that says that God himself took on what you deserve so that you can have what he deserves. That is how much God loves us. Now here's the next question, when? When does God start loving us? Look again at verses 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Brian Chapel has pointed out that there's one word in this that should change the way we read the rest. And this is one of those places where people get, Christians get into a lot of arguments about, you know, predestination and free will and, and all this kind of thing. And we're not going to go there. We're going to look at this one word and see how it changes everything else that we read in there. One word, Father. Father. What did the Father do. What did the Father do? The Father chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. And Brian Chapel looks at this word and he says, parents, when did you start loving your children? When did you start loving your children? Was it after they did something good? Was it when they started to get extra cute? Can we just be honest? A lot of newborns like, they kind of look like lizards. They share some similarities. I know I've just offended half of you in here at least, but I'm being honest. So was it when they got cute, when they plumped up a little bit? Is that when you started loving, loving your kids? What about, maybe it was when they could talk, once they could say your name. Maybe it's when they could string a little bit of a sentence together and say, I love you. Maybe it's when they could tell you why they love you. Parents, when did you start loving your children? Was it before all that? God's love for you began before. Before all that. Before. God's love for you began 
when he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Every other religion, everything else is going to teach you that if you obey, you can become loved. But only in Christianity do we see that you are loved with a good father's love before you are even born. Therefore, therefore, go and obey. This love is not a whim. It's not a product of anything that you have done or anything you will do. It is simply in love according to the purpose of his will. He chose to love you long, long, long ago, and he set his heart's desire on you. That is when God started loving you. And that kind of love changes us. Well, how does that kind of love change us? Well, you know, we had uh, Hank here a couple weeks ago, and he brought his dog, and uh, it was really neat to, to see all those illustrations. So I brought my dog with me today. Uh, she's been very patiently waiting right under here. This is, this is Sassy. Well, really, Sassy was my grandparents' dog, and then my, my parents inherited this dog, and uh, currently she resides on the wall in my bathroom. But this is Sassy, and what you need to know about Sassy is that she was sweet, she was protective, she, she loved getting pets, she did shed a lot, but she was a good dog. She was a good dog, and she, she loved people well, but she didn't always start that way. See, Sassy started off as an outcast. She was abused, and she was in an abusive home until she was rescued out of that, pulled into my grandparents' home where she was given a family, and she was loved. She was loved well. She was loved consistently. She was loved in spite of all of the things that she did and her skittish behavior and the barking and the shedding. She was loved. And what happened is over time, she began to change. So that very, after, after enough time of being loved, if you were to go uh, near Sassy or you were to, to do something and you raised your hand a little too quickly for whatever reason... Once upon a time, she would shy away and she would cower and she would run. She might even get a little snarl. But after so much love, she'd kind of look and probably not even think twice about it. That love over time changed her. It produced something beautiful in her. And God's love does the same in us. God's love produces something beautiful in those he loves. Look at verses 5 through 6. It says, in love... He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. God's plan for you is to take you, to rescue you, to bring you, to adopt you into a family, into his family. And there are some people here that did not have a good family. Maybe you didn't have any family at all. But do you see what this is saying? It's saying in Christ, you do. In Christ, you do. And not just here, but all over this city, this state, this country, this world. You are connected into a family so big that someday when we have this great family reunion, it's going to be huge. You can look around in here. 
You can look around in here and you can see you have brothers. You have sisters. You have aunts. You have uncles. You have parents. You have grandparents. You have grandkids. You have sons. You have daughters. Christ has made a new family. And it doesn't just stop there because being brought into that family, being loved with this kind of love does something else to us. It's that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Think about that. We talked about this a while back, but think about that. Holy, you're set apart. And you remember we talked about like the fine china at your home and you have a special guest and that china has been set apart for a purpose. You are holy. You are made holy in Christ. You are set apart for a purpose and you are blameless. You bear no blame, no guilt because Christ took it for you. And as you let that truth begin to wash over you, it will change you. You can begin to dream again, hope again, love again. You respond differently. You begin to think differently. And like we talked about last week, your heart begins to line up, begins to align with the heart of the Father. But it's not just again that you get to do these things. Sometimes it's the first time, and it is even better. Because you're not just learning to love, you are learning to love like God loves us. And it can begin to awaken new things in us. And where we have been wounded, where we've been hurt, we can see healing come. Like a woman named Rachel Clinton, who went through a a very painful experience. But she said, after experiencing God's love, after after seeing how much he loved her, after, after looking again and again at Scripture and seeing that, after having people around her express God's love to her, a painful day for her came around and she said this, typically I treat Valentine's Day like any other day with an air of nonchalance, gratitude for my life, even in singleness, and just a pinch of dissociation where I might feel the absence of romantic love. But this Valentine's Day, desire was making itself known. And despite the temptation to annul it with television, food, alcohol, mockery, self-righteousness, or shame, I let warm Salty tears baptize my face. I let longing for affection, for comfort, for companionship take up residence in my body. I let dreams awaken my heart. Dreams that feel so threatening to the deep sacred places where faith, hope, and love abide. It was agonizing and terrifying, but also beautiful and glorious because of part of me I thought had been damaged, possibly beyond repair, was emerging in the land of the living. See, God's love, God's love reawakens dreams and hearts. It provides new warmth to souls so that we can dream of and we can fight for a world touched by the goodness and the mercy of God. And it begins to move us. Just like Paul says here, it begins to move us to live to the praise of his glorious grace. It begins to comfort us and reassure us because everything that we go through, everything that we experience, the good and the bad and the the painful and, and, and all of these things, and even the things that make us ask why, and the things that make us look at God and say, why God, is it that you don't love me? We see through here the one answer to the question why, the one answer that it can't be, it cannot be that God doesn't love me. Because 
what we see in his word is this. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to secure every spiritual blessing and to secure your adoption into God's family. God has loved you since before the foundation of the world and not because of anything that you have done or will do. And God's love, as it works upon our hearts, it will change you in ways that you could not expect. And so the question for us today is this, will we respond to God's love today? Will we accept the work of Christ on our behalf? For those who have accepted the work of Christ, will we continue to preach that word and preach that grace and preach that forgiveness and that mercy? Will we continue to preach that to our hearts daily? Because if we do, if we do, it will change our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that your word brings life. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are at work in us. And we thank you, Jesus, for the great love with which you loved us. You came and lived the life that we should have lived, died the death that we should have died. And you rose again to prove your victory over sin and death. Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. And we love you, Jesus. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand as we continue in worship?